right, what a great way to start off the morning. So glad to have you here. I'm Dan. I'm the lead pastor here at Life Community. How's everybody doing? Good. Good to have you here. I just want to warn you that there, you're going to hear some sounds this morning because we've got some birds like up in this section over here. I think it's because we tore down that shed and everybody, all the, all the animals that were in the shed are coming over here now. So just be warned. So if you hear something, just know that, okay? We're excited. We're excited to worship together. Um, we come together as, as groups of people, uh, cell groups that meet together, and we come here on Sunday to celebrate and to hear the Word of God and to grow in Him. To, and we're going to do that in a little bit later today, so we're glad you're here. One of the things we want to say, especially to you at home today that are watching, we're doing communion today, so uh, if you don't have um, elements with you, you can go grab some juice, grab some bread, and a little bit later on we'll be taking communion. That'll happen a little bit later in the service. Also, I wanted to tell you, Next week, if you are interested in becoming a part of a small family around here, call them groups, group life, cell groups, you'll hear different terms for them, but if you, you are interested in that, next week after the service, we're going to have what's called intro to groups, and it's just, there's no commitment, it's just a 15-minute kind of thing that we go through and we tell you what groups are about, why we do them, um, and even some options and answer any questions you have about groups, so that's happening Next week, also next week, we're going to recognize seniors that are connected with our body. Can't believe it. It's that time of the year. It's graduation. So that's exciting, too. All right. To kick off the morning, we're going to do something we haven't done a lot the last couple of years. Say good morning to somebody else this morning, okay? Go ahead and say good morning. Jesus, we praise your name this morning. We thank you for what you did on the cross for us. God, be with us as we remember that sacrifice this morning. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. You all can have a seat. Good morning. I'm Dave Matheny. I'm one of the elders here at LCC. And this morning, we're going to continue our worship as we uh, remember Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us. And we're going to do that through communion. So communion allows us just to reflect and remember what he did for us. And so this morning I would like to read the account um, in Matthew, verse 26, of what Jesus said to his disciples uh, the night before he died. So now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now, communion has been set aside exclusively for Christ's followers. So... We're gonna, if, uh, we're gonna leave it up to you, to, if you or any children with you, if, if they're ready to have communion, because this is set aside for people who are followers of Christ. So we have different elements around the auditorium, and at this time, I would like you to be able to get up and gather those elements. Um, don't eat them yet, we'll do that together afterwards. But once you've got them, return to your seat and just reflect and think about Christ's sacrifice. All right. In verse 26, it says, 
Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Let's eat together. Continuing on, Jesus says, And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for their forgiveness of sins. Let's drink together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Just taking the time to remember and reflect upon it. We just can't worship you enough. We are so thankful for Jesus and for your love for us. Lord, help us to live our lives out for you to share your love with the world around us and to never forget how much you loved us and that you loved us so much that you died for us. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we're gonna continue our worship. So if you'd like to stand and, and sing another song. We're gonna sing, by your stripes, I'm healed. Let's sing it together. Jesus, we're thankful. We're thankful for so many things. We're thankful for this opportunity to come to church, to be together, to be in a community of people who love you and want to serve you. God, we ask that you fill us with your spirit. Spirit, come into our lives. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for a moment in our week, in this day, in this service to stop what we're doing and just reflect and think. We love you. It's in your, name, in your name that we pray. Amen. All right. You all can have a seat except for our kids in the room. <laughs> I appreciate the reminder. Uh, kids, you can get up. For those of you who don't know, I've forgotten to dismiss the kids a couple of times before, so I needed a reminder. But kids, head on out to Kids Life. Look for your leaders we will see you after the service. Well, good morning. Um, so glad you're with us. So glad we had the opportunity to, to share in uh, the bread and cup of communion together. And um, we are in this series. We are, in fact, this is like week three of five. So this is like the turning point in our series on the Holy Spirit. And, um, and we've, we've spent our time talking about uh, a couple key issues. Uh, the first thing that we said that we really tried to emphasize, that we want to make sure we understand about the Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit is both a person, an individual person. Okay? This is, it's not just another name for God. 
It's a distinct person, but at the same time is also God. We spent some time talking about the concept of the Trinity, that there is one God, one God who is manifested in three distinct persons, Father, Son, Spirit. It is not an easy concept to get your head around, okay? Um, and, and no matter how long we spend on it, the math is never really going to work. But what it means is that we can, we, can, um, uh, we can speak directly to the Spirit. And when we speak to the Spirit, when we worship in the Spirit, when we pray in the Spirit, we are worshiping, praying, speaking to God. Okay? Last week, um, John Castle shared with us that, that what we see in Jesus is perfect union with the Holy Spirit. So if we want to know the kinds of things that the Spirit produces, we look at the life of Jesus. Because everything that Jesus did was done in the Spirit. And that leads us, leads us to this week, okay, our third week. And this is going to be a pivot point when we think about or talk about or, or consider the work of the Spirit. Um, I don't know about you, but I am, um, I am not a fan of new rules, okay? Not a fan of new rules. I, I like rules that are, like, fixed and set. There's a thing in our house. Our, our family likes to play games, likes to play board games. They get new games all the time, card games and all kinds of stuff. And um, they know that if they ask dad to play a game with them, they know they're going to get, like, one of two responses. Well, they get to yes or no, right? Um, but, but they know that, my, like, to get a yes out of me, it needs one of two things. One, it either needs to be a game that I already know the rules, okay? I don't want to learn any more rules. Or two, a game with so few rules that any, like, dummy like me can pick them up in 30 seconds and move on. I am not a fan of new rules. I realize, though, that there are some people who love changing the rules, including this guy, these two guys, actually, if you know Calvin and Hobbes, okay, I was told I can only leave it up for 10 seconds, okay, but, but there's a game that Calvin plays called Calvin Ball, and as you can see it there, the only, uh, the only permanent rule in Calvin Ball is that you can't play it the same way twice, and Hobbes says the score is still Q to 12, okay, that there's this, like, sense of some folks really like things changing, They're, they adapt to it well, and, and in some areas of my life, I would say that's me, but I just, I don't like rule changes. I'm in the midst of a situation um, in, in, my, in my nine to five work week. I'm in the midst of a situation where I had a set of rules, okay? I've been working on something for several years now. I had a set of rules, and I, I stepped into this project to do it. And it's not a big project, but it's a project, and I've spent time on it, and so I stepped into it, and I, I, I was following the rules, and I got right to the point where we were going to like, okay, we're going to complete this project. And I was suddenly told, no, there's two other people that need to be involved now. And I went, oh, really? Okay. So I went to them, and they put me off for six months. Okay? And finally, I met with them, and they said, you ready? They said, the person that you were talking with before is the person you need to talk with who is going to make the final decision. And I went, wait a minute, you're changing the rules on me. But I said, okay, fine. So I went back to the first person that I was been working with for well over a year now to try and get this project done. And that person, we, we had an agreement. We started to move forward. And guess what happened? The other two people came back and said, no, nah, you can't do it that way. <laughs> they changed the rules on me. It ruined my Thursday. I'm just going to say it. I had a bad Thursday. Okay? It ruined my Thursday. I don't like rule changes. But here's the thing. When we look at the Holy Spirit, Okay? When we look at the Holy Spirit, remember, we're talking, about, we're talking about God in the flesh. Or not God in the flesh, we're talking about God the Spirit. We're talking about the, the same God who has always been. When we go back to the first chapter of Genesis, we see that God, but we see a different manifestation. And we're going to talk today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. 
And we're going to look at how the rules changed in Acts chapter 2. Okay? So if you've got a Bible, you want to turn to Acts chapter 2. But the first thing we're going to do is, what were the rules before Acts chapter 2? What do we know about the Holy Spirit in what we call the Old Testament? And, and we want to look at just a couple passages here. There's a bunch of them like this, but here's a couple examples. Where we see the Spirit of God show up before Jesus, before Acts chapter 2, we're going to read. And there's certain things we can pull out. So it says here, and this is from the book of Judges, this is in the Old Testament, in the book of Judges, and it says this, when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel who saved them, Othniel, the son of Canaz, Caleb's younger brother. These are names, people, okay? But look at verse 10, the spirit of the Lord was upon him, okay, was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed over, I'm going to do it again, Cushan Rishathaim, Okay? So, so here's, there's this guy, okay, and he's, he's in a string of people that in the Old Testament, they were judges, and they had, a, they had like functional rules as like military leaders, but also the word judge. They did judge between different, different uh, rule, made different rulings, and God used them. But, but when it talked about him, it said that the Spirit of God was, what, what, notice the word there, upon him, okay? It was upon him. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 10. After, after the book of Judges, God, God gives the people a king, and, and um, look at what it says here in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 9. It says, when, when he turned his back to leave Samuel, this is Saul, sorry, King Saul. He, when he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. Like there was, there was this internal change, okay, in, in this guy Saul. And all these signs came to pass that day. There were all these predictions about him and these things. But then look at verse 10. When they came to Gibeah, behold, a group of prophets met him. And look at what it says, and the Spirit of God rushed, again, you see it, upon him, and he prophesied among them, Okay. So, okay, so, here's this, so here's Saul, King Saul of, uh, in the Old Testament. was the first king of Israel. Um, and it says in verse 9, there was this change in his heart, okay, that God gave him a new heart. But then separate and distinct from that, we see in verse 10 that the, the, these, these prophets come by. And now it says that, that the Spirit of God came upon him, okay, came upon him. And here's what we start to pick up, okay. Well, you may find a couple instances where it talks about the Spirit of God internally, it's almost always like, like metaphorical or poetic. Maybe you see in the Psalms that it'll talk about the Spirit of God in me, uh, one, of the, one of the psalmists might write. Almost every time you see the Spirit of God in the Old Testament, this, that Spirit of God is external, moving on to a, a, a person. It's, it, it's from the outside and comes on them. Um, it was still the same Spirit, but it was always coming on people, and usually it was for a specific action for a specific period of time. Okay? So the judges had a specific battle. The Spirit of God would come on them. They would go to lead the people in battle, and then you wouldn't hear about the Spirit again in the story. It doesn't mean the Spirit ceased to exist. It, doesn't mean, it just means that that's the way it was talked about. But all of that changes in Acts chapter 2. Okay? You got your Bible and you want to turn to Acts chapter 2. Let's take a look at what happens. Acts chapter 2 um, takes place. This is just day, weeks, maybe days after, after the resurrection. It's estimated about 50 days um, after the, the, the uh, Jesus' resurrection, you have the, the, this uh, fe feast that's going on in the city of Jerusalem. And so the, the followers of Jesus in, in, in uh, Acts chapter 1, they, they, there were very few of them, uh, maybe 100, 120. They gathered together, okay? They gathered together, but they weren't sure what to do next. They knew they'd been told to wait, okay? They'd been told to wait. And we're going to read in Acts chapter 2 what they had been waiting for. So if you've got your Bible and you want to look, it'll be on the screen for you as well. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says this. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, this was a feast. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. This is that 120 or so followers of Jesus. They were in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. 
and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. It's, it's a large collection. It must have been a large house of people gathered together, and there's a sound like a rushing wind, okay? And, and it filled the entire house. Now, it's a little bit fascinating that the, the sound was like a rushing wind. If you were with us two weeks ago, we, we've heard that this is true, that in the scriptures, the word for spirit is the same word that they use for wind, okay? So it was like they heard a, a, a wind, okay, coming, this wind, rushing wind comes in to where they, to where they were all gathered. Keep reading verse 3. And, they, and divided tongues as of fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. Another really crazy Greek word here for tongues. It literally means like tongue here, like the shape of a tongue, the physical object. That's weird, okay? But divided tongues as of fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them, like came and tongues of fi- as of fire rested on them. And it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it says it again, the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There was tongue as in the physical object the first time. It's tongues as in languages in the second instance, okay? So, so here they are. They're gathered together in this place. The sound of a rushing wind comes through. There's, there's fire in the, the shape of a tongue over their heads, okay? And, and the Holy Spirit fills them, and now they begin to speak in other languages, okay? As, as the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Gave them it's why oftentimes, like, there are spiritual gifts that are associated with this, and we tend to, to cluster those gifts together, and we kind of call them Pentecostal gifts, okay, because they were first seen here on this day of Pentecost. The, 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 the day of Pentecost is actually the, the feast of Pentecost was a feast that the Jewish people celebrated. It was the feast of first fruits. It was like when the first harvests were coming in, okay? And so, so they're, 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 they're celebrating this. Um, in the city of Jerusalem, here's the sound of a rushing wind. And then amongst this 120, 120 folks or so, this, this, these tongues of fire over their head, and they're speaking in la- other languages, languages, all kinds of languages. And it's going to go on and explain it further from there. So verse 5 says this, Now there were dwelling or, or living in, in Jerusalem Jews. That makes sense, right? But devout men of every nation under heaven. So, so there's people from all over the world that are in Jerusalem, and this is tied to that feast. They're there because it's this feast of first fruits. And verse 6 says, at, the, at, at this sound, so this wasn't a sound that just those in the room heard. At this sound, the multitude, all the people in Jerusalem, came together, and they were bewildered. They were confused because each one was hearing them, these people, speak in his own language. Okay? So the first time we encounter this, we encounter this in verse 4, they were speaking, they were uttering in languages that it's safe to assume they didn't know, okay? This time it starts, it says that, that, that there are people hearing them. There's a speaking and a hearing that's involved here. There's a speaking and a hearing. In this, in this, in this day, there, likely the people would have had two or three languages they spoke. They were, um, they, they were uh, multilingual, okay? They likely, most likely, would have, would have known, obviously, a native language, the language that they spoke at home, okay? But there was also trade languages, okay? The dominant one was, was Greek, the common Greek of the day. It's the Greek that we read in our New Testament. So they, they likely all also understood Greek, okay? They would have, that's how they would have, when they traveled about, that would have been the language they would have used. Many of them also, if they were devout Jews, they also probably knew some of the, some of the Hebrew, okay? That they would have understood some of the Hebrew that, 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 that the Jewish practices would have, would have been done in. And so you've got, you've got this mix, and then there's all kinds of conglomerations even of those. So there, there's an awful lot of languages going on there, okay? So it was, it was common for them to hear this, for, for, to hear multiple languages, but it was, what was uncommon was that they were hearing, 
not the trade language, and not the religious language that says they were hearing it like in their own language. They were hearing it in their native language, okay? The, the best way maybe to liken this, okay, is if you've traveled internationally and you've been in one of the like really busy international airports, okay, um, you know, New York City, Miami, LA, those, those kinds of places where you have a lot of, of, uh, of traffic coming in from international, and you're, you're in those inter, at those international gates and you just hear lots of different languages, right? How bizarre would it be, how bizarre would it be to suddenly like everyone there is kind of hearing and speaking to one another in their own language, okay? But we're all understanding each other even though we're not like speaking the trade language. This would be jarring, right? This would cause bewilderment. That's the best that I can do. We're going to have to move on. Verse 7, okay? It says that they were astonished and saying, are not all of those who are speaking Galileans? Today you could say Americans. Um, like, aren't they all, like, kind of people who only, like, they, they just have their, like, little colloquial languages? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? Here again, the emphasis on the hearing. How is it that, the, like, these are not educated folks. These are folks like the people of the land. They're just common people. And yet, they're speaking, and we hear it in our own language. This isn't making a lot of sense. Keep reading. It's going to tell us some of the places. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia. Judah and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. Like, it's just like all over the world, okay, in, in their known world. And it says both Jews and proselytes. A proselyte was someone who was not Jewish by heritage, but had, had converted to Judaism by, by religion. So Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear, them tell, uh, we, we, we hear them telling in our own tongues, our own language, the mighty works of God. So this multitude comes around, and they're speaking to them, and, and everyone is understanding one another. Okay? Everyone's understanding one another. The last time something this drastic happened in the Scriptures was the Tower of Babel, right? Except it was the reverse. It was the reverse, right? So the people believed that they could reach to God, and so they build this tower, and God confounds their languages so that they can't understand one another. And here, at the Feast of First Fruits, God reverses that action. Okay? The gift of the Holy Spirit enables them to understand one another, even though they don't naturally speak the same language. It's miraculous. It's astonishing. It, it, it should amaze us. Verse 12, they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? This means something. This is important. This changes the game, the rules. But others, mocking, said they're filled with new wine. If we read on, the response is that, like, well, it's only 9 a.m. This is when, when this happened. It was early in the morning. So if they were drunk, it was, they'd had a long night, okay? So this, so here's, so here's Acts chapter 2, these first 13 verses. The Feast of first fruits introduces the Holy Spirit in a way where it had never been seen before. It had never been seen before. And if we continue to read in the book of Acts, <clears throat> there's a lot to be said this morning, but we, we won't read the entire book of Acts. But if we read all the way through the book of Acts, we're going to see other instances where the same thing happens. We see this again in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, um, Peter goes to the house of Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile, okay, which means he, he was not a proselyte. He wasn't, he wasn't someone who had converted to Judaism. He was just a Gentile, okay? 
but he had, he, he, Peter went to him and proclaimed to him the gospel of Jesus. He was drawn there in a vision, but long story short. So, so he, he goes to them, and, and they accept Jesus, okay? And in that instance, very similar signs take place. It happens again, okay? In Acts chapter 19, there's a group of people that, that, that um, Paul and his companions encounter. Those people had believed in the repentance of sin, the baptism of John the Baptist, but they didn't know about Jesus. And so Paul and his companions, they explain to him what it means, what Jesus has done, and how Jesus completes the work that John the Baptist had started. They accept it, and again, mighty, miraculous signs of the Spirit. Okay? So there seems to be a pattern. There's this pattern that each time the gospel goes out into these new places with these new groups, that, that there is evidence of the power of the Spirit in those places. And it can, be, it can be tempting to think that this led some people to believe that, that all true followers of Jesus ought to experience the same things that happened in Acts chapter 2. Except there's other, a lot of other places in the book of Acts where people accept Jesus, and we don't know whether or not they experienced the Holy Spirit in the same way, but the book of Acts doesn't tell us that they did. It just, it's not mentioned there, okay? Including the apostle Paul himself. Now, Paul will go on in his letters to say that he has spoken in these tongues. He has spoken in these languages, but it's not recorded in the book of Acts. It happens throughout all of these stories in the book of Acts where people, it's told they believed the message of Jesus, but there's no accompanying signs in the same way. Now, and what do we do with this? Okay, what do we do with this? Well, there's much to be said, okay? There's much to be said. But in, in the, the interest of some, some brevity on this, I think it's safest to say this, that God does not operate in the same way every time that he moves, okay? God doesn't operate in the same way every time that he moves, that there's, there's no external sign or indication that everyone around is going to be able to use now to be able to say, yes, you're, you've sincerely followed Jesus, or no, you haven't. It's, it's, it's likely that, that the movement of the spirit that, the, the movements of the spirit that are recorded in the book of Acts was to help those around them know that, that, that the, the faith of the Gentiles, those who had been out prior to Acts chapter 10, that the faith of the Gentiles was, was every bit as genuine and real as the faith of the Jews where the message was going out from. Because it would have been likely in that, in that day and age that many of the Jews would have resisted. In fact, they even continued to, even after the Spirit, resisted that the, the belief of the Gentiles was authentic, that God had moved amongst the Gentiles in the same way as the Jews. That seems to make sense with Acts chapter 10. With Acts chapter 19, I'm not even sure, honestly. Why, is it, why, why did those, or were those miraculous signs recorded there in Acts chapter 19 and not in some of the other accounts? Why not in Philippi when the, when the, when the jailer receives Christ? I don't, and I, the answer is, I just, I honestly don't know. I don't know. But it seems in the story, okay, it seems the way that God has revealed the Spirit to us. It seems that, 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 that there is, there's powerful evidence that, that what was happening was genuine in these cases. There's these common themes of, like, the Spirit um, endorsing genuine belief. But there's also many times <clears throat> um, where, where there's a corporate impact. Okay, a corporate impact versus an individual moment. But what we know is that, that, that something changed in Acts chapter 2 where the work of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit became much more, um, much more uh, personal. It became, uh, um, it became much more um, uh, um, internal. In fact, we would say this. What did change in Acts chapter 2? Okay? What did change? 
And if we simply look at what the, the New Testament tells us about the Spirit and how it's different from the Old Testament, if that's the question we're asking, it's that the, the, in, in the New Testament it tells us that the Holy Spirit now dwells in those who have trusted Jesus. Remember, the language of the Old Testament was the Spirit on you. The language of the New Testament is going to be different. And actually, this was foretold in the Old Testament by the prophet Ezekiel. If we look at Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel is prophesying, and he says this. He says, he says, he's speaking for God. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you, heart of, give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Hundreds of years before Jesus, before Pentecost, God through, through inspired the prophet, the prophet Ezekiel to say this to the people, that a time is coming where the Spirit of God is not external coming on, but the Spirit of God is internal, and primarily the first place where this idea is introduced, primarily the Spirit of God is about helping people walk in a way that is consistent with who God is, his statutes and his rules. The Apostle Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 8. He says, if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it's sort of like an assumption, right? If that's the case, that the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, if he's in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. It's the spirit dwelling in the believer that provides real life. Paul says it again in 1 Corinthians 3. And this, this same phrase is repeated in, in 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. The idea being, okay, the idea being that, that God is, has, there's a shift that's taken place. And, and the spirit of God is not external. The spirit of God is internal. That all followers of Christ carry that spirit. And so our embodiedness matters. Paul reemphasizes this in chapter 6 and talks about sexual immorality and that to defile our, that temple of the Spirit. Here in, in chapter 3, he seems to be making meta, using metaphor, metaphor to emphasize just the foundation of our life. But it has implications for all of us because here's the deal. In, in our setting, with, when we gather together with those who follow Christ, we have to know that in the community of believers, in the community of followers, we are talking to people who have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. We're not just talking to, to someone, some person. It's that, that when we gather together, God is present in us. That's true of us. It's not just Paul who says this. Uh, John, in his first letter, um, he uses, he's talking about the Spirit, but he uses the word anointing here, but you'll get the same idea. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. And you have... No need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you to abide in him. Like John is actually using the same language he cites from Jesus in, in John chapter 15, where, John, where Jesus says that, that uh, the language of abiding, and he says, look, the spirit of God abides in you, dwells in you. This is the gift that God has given you. So the reality is, the reality is this, that everyone who's trusted Christ, the change, the game change on, in, in, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, what we find through the rest of the scriptures, there is power associated with the Spirit, but the real change 
wasn't necessarily the power of the Spirit because the power of the Spirit had been around all forever. It was the power of the Spirit that, that we saw in Genesis chapter 1 that created the world. It was the power of the Spirit that, that enabled victory in, in battle for the, the, for the Israelites. God's power had shown up in, in, through his Spirit in ways all throughout the Scriptures. The change seems to be that the residence of the Spirit is no longer outside, but inside. That all those who trusted, who've trusted Christ, the Spirit is now in you, in us. And because of this, because of this, we, it, there, there is a dynamic change in the way, the, the way we live life. I want to go back to Romans 8. It was one of the places that Paul spoke. Again, if you've got your Bible, it'll be up here. But, but I want to go back to Romans 8. There's a, there's, it's a whole long section on life in the Spirit. And I want to look at, at the end of that with our last few minutes. Because Paul tells us, because the Spirit is in us, here's some new reality. Look at this, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Okay? The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, the first thing we find out, because the Spirit is in us, the Spirit of God helps us in our weakness. The Spirit of God helps us in our weakness. You ever feel like you just can't take another step? You feel like you're just too spent to do the next important thing. And what happens when that next important thing is, is work in and amongst around the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news? Whether it's helping a neighbor, whether it's sharing a word with someone who's difficult, whether it's participating in the community of followers of Christ, and it just feels like, one more thing. But then you kind of follow through with it and you find energy you didn't know that you had. See, the Spirit of God helps us in our weakness. He's always present with us. He's not leaving us. And so as we walk through these areas where we are weak, where we do struggle, the Spirit of God helps us in our weakness. It goes on in verse Kind of continuing the thought from verse 20, the second part of 26, he says, And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes, we saw that in the last verse too, for the saints according to the will of God. The second thing the Spirit does for us is it intercedes for us. It, the Spirit goes between God and, and man. It, it helps, helps, helps us understand what, what it is that God has for us, but also speaks on our behalf. John talked last week about the, one, of the, one of the names for the Spirit being a legal advocate that the Spirit argues on our behalf, stands present for us. And do you ever just not know what to say? Do you ever, do you ever not move forward in a situation where you, you, you're prompted, you know that, that the Lord would have you take a step or move towards someone, but let's be honest, you kind of go, I'm not sure what I would say. The Spirit can help. Do you ever just get at the end of yourself, at the end of your words, you're, you're, you're hurt in ways that you don't even know what to say to God? I'm not sure that I want to even speak to God. The Spirit makes intercession for us. The Spirit in us speaks on our behalf. We have to keep moving. Verse 28 goes on, and this is where we get into some sections of this. Remember, remember what verses 26 and 27 said. 
because we're going to see some, this, the, you know, these verses especially, like we like to like, you know, put these in calligraphy and pictures and put them on walls and stuff, right? But this is spirit. Paul goes on, he says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. You see, this, the spirit, part of the spiritual work is working out good in our life. It's working out good in our life. God's working it all out for good. And notice this isn't a general promise. This is not a general promise that, hey, every little thing is going to be all right, right? That's not what the scriptures say here. This isn't for all people at all times and all circumstances. It's in the context of the Spirit who helps those in their weakness, who help those who, who feel like they're at the end and they don't know where to go from here. He's helping those who, th- who through tr- Uh, through trusting Christ, have unspeakable trouble. Keep reading. Verse 29, because it says more. And we get get bogged down in some tough theological language, but I think it's honestly much simpler than we want to make it out to be. Verse 28, God is working it all out for good. And verse 29 says this, for those whom he, God foreknew, foreknew is just a fancy word for knew beforehand, those whom he knew beforehand, he also predestined. I know that word can make us squirrely, but this is God caused. God causes certain things before they happen. God's working them out to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. Catch this. Catch this. In the midst of our spiritual lives, it is the spirit in us that works it all out for good. It is the spirit in us it is the Spirit in us, those whom God foreknew, that he knew beforehand would choose him, that he is predetermined to work it out so that we will be like Christ. It's the Spirit of God that makes us more and more like the image of Christ, the Spirit of God in us. The Spirit of God in us makes us like Jesus. It's It's happening. The Spirit of God is moving in us. Those who have followed Christ, who've trusted Christ, he's he's moved us. He's making us more like Jesus. The good God is working through his Spirit. And finally, this this one last verse here, verse 30. And he goes back to this idea. Those whom he predestined, he also called. He, He drew them to himself. And those whom he called, he drew to himself. It says he justified. Remember the legal function of the Spirit? Justification is a legal term. It means that, that, that you, are, you stand right before God. It's declared in court. Justified. You are, you are right with God. And those whom he justified, get this, he also glorified. You see, because in the midst of our trouble, okay, and the last piece here is that he glorifies us. You see, in the midst of our trouble, in the midst of our trouble, it's really easy for us to get our eyes so focused and fixed on our weakness, so focused and fixed on, on, on how we don't have the resources, it's so easy for us to believe that this difficulty is all that there is. But when we examine what the scriptures tell us about the Spirit of God, it tells us that all of this is leading somewhere. It's all moving somewhere. We're all walking through this, not on our own, but with the Spirit in us to something that God calls good. 
And that good thing is ultimately that we're glorified with him. The struggle is gone. The sin that, that infects our world and infects us is gone. And it's the spirit of God that is moving us and shaping us through it. So that all the extra is taken away. And all that's left is Christ in us. And we're with him in glory. This is the work of the spirit. This is the work of the spirit. And this, the internal movement of the spirit was introduced at Pentecost. It, the page turned. No longer is the spirit external moving on us, but the spirit is internal moving in us and through us. And it's where we find ourselves. So we've invited you to, to, to pray to the spirit, to worship in the spirit. We've invited you to look at Jesus to see what the Spirit does. And if you've never responded to Jesus, if you've never said yes to him, and what we're talking about today is foreign to you, it might as well be one of those languages from those places in the passage. I want to ask you today to, to speak to Jesus, to tell him that you believe. And if you do so, please let us know. I'm here. Come tell me, I'd love to pray with you about this. But if you're here and you have trusted Jesus, you're a follower of Jesus, you can extend your trust to the Spirit of God. You can extend your trust to the Spirit to believe that, that the Spirit is at work in your life, that the Spirit has got whatever it is, that the weight is that you're carrying, that the difficulty and the trouble that you're in where you feel like you're at the end of your rope you're, you're not because the Spirit is there with you. The Spirit is in you and moving through you, and you can trust Him. Would you pray with me? God, we, um, we thank you so much. And Spirit, we say to you today that we believe, we, we trust you. We trust that you are at work in us, that we can, we can bring to you the troubles that we have that go beyond our, our words, our energy, that, that when we, we don't have the, the strength for another step, that you, you carry us. And we believe, Spirit, that this is not the end of the story, but you are at work, that you are working in our lives, that you are changing us, that you're, you're shaping us, transforming us, making us more and more like Christ. And we believe it. And we trust it. And God, we, um, we ask today that you would help us to, to see it, that you would increase our faith, that you would, you would shine light on, on areas that we don't see and open our eyes to to the, the truth of the Spirit in our lives. We trust that, you, you, that you're going to continue to teach us, that you're going to continue to lead us into more and more of yourself. And we thank you for what you have done and what you are doing. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. God, we thank you for sending your Son. God, we thank you for filling us with your Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill this place, fill our lives, fill our hearts, be with us. 
Help us because we need you. And we're thankful for you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat for a second. Good morning, Family Church. Who is grateful to be here today? Amen. Amen. Great teaching, and I think that we have a lot to reflect during the week. Uh, my name is Armando, and Susan want to join me this morning to say hi. 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 Okay. And we have the second season of the announcement right now, okay? Uh, first announcement, if you are new in LCC, next week we have intro. Um, can you hear me? It's intro the groups next week. After the service, we are going to have a meeting. If you want to be part of a group, next week is the time. And the other that we have for next week is age, age as senior. This is how it works. <laughs> for next week, Sorry. too, uh, we will be celebrating uh, all the seniors. And it's, if you have more than 55, no, it's not this kind of <laughs> <laughs> senior. Uh, okay, have a great week. God bless your week. God bless your family. God bless your business. God bless everything that you do this week. This should be a great week for you. Have a great week and say hi to someone in Spanish today. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>